you could be anywhere doing anything, but you're hanging out with us. We appreciate that. So wherever you're listening and however you're listening, thank you guys for listening. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to, welcome to another exciting episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in tacos, S as in sangria, M as in margaritas. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir. Where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, that's underscore Kennedy as in the former North Carolina basketball star Kennedy Meeks and Miller as in the NBA Hall of Famer Reggie Miller underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. All right. All right. Aaron O'Connor fool who is still in Twitter jail at the moment. Do I still have that correct? Yes, sir. You do. All right. So, Aaron, where can they find you on Instagram and everywhere else that is not Twitter? So you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Instagram is Aaron the Great, A-A-R-O-N, the Great with two underscores. Again, that's A-A-R-O-N, the Great with two underscores for Instagram. All right. All right. So NBA free agency has essentially come and went. A lot of moves have been made. A lot of money has been spent. So Kennedy Miller, I'm going to start off with you. What team do you think has made the biggest and best moves in free agency so far? Much of a surprise to you, but I'm going to say the Lakers. I'm also going to couple that with the Miami Heat though. So just so I don't sound too biased, I'll just start off with the Heat, uh, getting a veteran point guard in Kyle Lowry. Now, do I agree with how much money point guards made, especially veteran point guards this offseason? I don't necessarily agree with how much they were paid, but I don't hate on another man's money. Somebody's willing to pay you that much money. That means you're worth it. So Kyle Lowry got three years, 90. I'll take it for the heat. You know, who, who lacked a veteran point guard, um, and definitely an upgrade over Drogic and, and Kendrick Nunn and somebody who can complete, um, you know, a potential big three-ish of Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and, and, and Bam. And I also like the addition of P.J. Tucker. You re-sign Duncan Robinson, and you uh, re-sign Victor Oladipo, and hopefully if he can be healthy, that will be a, a big bonus to your team. So I think that those moves definitely put the Heat back in playoff contention and, and their efforts of trying to keep this window alive of the core that they have together. So um, I definitely think they made the biggest jump. Obviously, there are the Los Angeles Lakers, who, Alex, you and I talked about this. I think Aaron was on here, too, uh, the episode that we did. I wasn't as upset with the roster as a lot of fans were, or I didn't think that many changes needed to be made. I feel like the roster was fine. Just injuries kind of hampered us along with a, a bad first round matchup. With that being said, trading for Russell Westbrook with LeBron and AD who, who've had an extended off season to rest and recover is definitely made them a lot better than last year's team. It gives them a proven third score on the team. And then all the other additions to kind of space the floor. I love bringing Dwight Howard back because that's a veteran who understands his role, who can play it at a high level, being a backup big, protecting the rim, running the floor, being a great locker room guy. You know, you've already seen the videos of him talking to the new guys. Uh, so I think he's going to help a lot, especially with AD not wanting to play the five throughout the regular season. Um, then you get the shooters, Wayne Ellington, uh, Melo, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza, and I think, you know, four out of those five guys shot 40% from three last year. So it, it's much needed spacing for this Lakers team with Russ, LeBron, and, and, and AD. My only question is, will there be enough 
load managing now to get these guys throughout the regular season healthy for the playoffs. Because that, I mean, that's the main goal. It's going to be one of the oldest rosters, if not the oldest roster in NBA history. These guys have to get through the regular season. And I think the addition of Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, and Malik Monk will help because Russ plays hard every night. So he can get LeBron and AD to coast throughout some of those games. And then you got the young fellas, you know, Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk. This isn't a team that I'm expecting to win 60, 65 games because teams are, I mean, they're going to be sitting out. I think they're going to be in 50-55, trying to be in the top four home court advantage and then see where the cards play out for the playoffs and hopefully they're fully healthy. I'll say this about the Lakers. I think that, you know, they've made a few moves. And like you said, Kennedy, I don't believe they needed a whole lot of tinkering. I believe if they were healthy, they probably would have had a better shot to make it at least back to the conference finals, if not farther. Like one of the big things I think about that team last year was they just looked tired. Like all those teams that went into the conference finals or into the finals in that bubble year, right? They all were out fairly quickly. In this year's playoffs. And again, and some of that might have been due to there were a whole lot of back-to-backs and there were a whole lot of soft tissue and leg injuries to a whole lot of key players, just not even to the Lakers, just but just around the NBA, right? Like, so Kyrie Irving had issues with his ankle, or James Harden had a problem with his hamstring, or Kawhi had a problem with his knee, or AD had problems with the groin, right? So a whole lot of soft tissue injuries hurt a lot of people. But I think, like, the Westbrook move, to me, is just, I'm not quite sure how it fits right because on one hand russell westbrook needs the basketball right because russ has a general inability to shoot the ball right from long range and that has been russ's big achilles heel i want to say he's under 34 percent career as a three-point shooter right at right yep so and guys that play with lebron right lebron is at his best when he has guys who he can pass the ball to who, he, who that can shoot and that maximizes in my opinion lebron's best skill which is passing Russell Westbrook doesn't maximize that skill. Russell Westbrook needs the ball to be effective. So the question comes, what does Russell Westbrook do to fit around LeBron? Does Russell Westbrook become a cutter in the same way that Dwayne Wade did Miami? Mm. Or what does that look like with, like, how does Russell Westbrook play off the ball? Or does LeBron start playing off the ball? Like, how does that sort of Russell Westbrook play a good portion of his minutes with the twos so we can, you know, run the show? Like, that's just my thought as far as that move goes. But I think in terms of getting a Carmelo Anthony or getting a Dwight Howard, those are good players to get. But I think just handing them the championship, like, guys, this is not 2012. We're not getting 2010, 2011 Dwight Howard. This isn't 2012, 2013 Russell Westbrook, right? This isn't 2010 or 2009 or 06 or 07 Carmelo Anthony. These are a lot of guys at the twilight of their career. So I think for I think a lot of people get caught up in the name recognition of a Dwight Howard or Carmelo Anthony. But these are dudes who are in much different roles than they were in their prime. So at least on that end, I think the Lakers will still be a good team, a very good team. But as you know, health, I think, will be a big thing for that team, as well as chemistry, because when you got a lot of dudes who have been the man on their own teams and, you know, they've seen the way things run and have run in different places things things like this can get really dice with a whole lot of older dudes with a whole lot of opinions it's kind of like you know when you worked at different places and everybody's been the manager they're like well when i ran <laughs> this place well I, when i ran it when i was a manager at burger king we did it like this or something like well when i was a manager at uh dale frisco's we did it like this when i was the manager at you know mcdonald's we did it like this right when when you have a whole lot of dudes that have like a high level of experience at a certain level right they all believe they should have a say in something right so that'll be something that frank vogel and the staff have to deal with 
and how they deal with that, I think will, you know, determine the chemistry that this team is able to deal with. But like to Aaron to move it to you. So what team do you think made the best free agency moves so far? I'm kind of torn. My answer is might be a little weird. Obviously, I do believe the Lakers made some really great moves. And for the most part, the majority of other teams kind of just felt like they were just re-signing players, which is also still good. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm really going to have to say, or, you know, from a, from a standpoint of which team is going from, you know, not as good to who's going to be better, I'm going to say the Chicago Bulls. I believe hmm. that the additions with, with DeMar DeRozan and all those guys, I, I think that they're going to go from bottom barrel in the East to they're going to be a problem now. And they added some more players. I, I'm, I'm blanking on who else they signed. Uh, Lonzo. Lonzo. There we go. Thank you. DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo with Wendell Carter, Denzel Valentine, and those guys, that's going to be a problem, especially in the East. I think that if they, if I have to say they, who had a, the best free agency, I'm going to go with the Bulls strictly off of that. The Bulls did have a really good offseason. You know, uh, you know, you couple that with their offseason. Well, not their offseason, but the, the trade deadline uh, when they traded for Vucevic. Because uh, I think they got Wendell Carter out of there, Aaron, um, for Vucevic at oh, the did. trade deadline. And so, you know, you yeah. bringing out a, a starting five with Lonzo, Levine, DeRozan, Patrick Williams, the rookie they drafted with the fourth pick last year, and then Vucevic. That's a that's a team in the East that I think is a is a five five or six seed, you know. And I I'm I'm interested to see they paid Alex Caruso thirty seven million to be a backup. Still have Kobe White, so I, I definitely think they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, I'm excited to see a backcourt of Lonzo and, and Levine uh, play together. You know, for me, I think I I've just been more excited with seeing the individual deals for certain players. Um, like, for example, Jared Allen getting $100 million, Alexander mm. getting a max. That really surprised me. I knew he was good. Don't get me wrong. I knew he was good. He was a budding superstar. But, man, they, are, they, they, they seem to be convinced that this guy is up next. You know, there's so many signings around the league that were just, just you know, kind of different. Devontae Graham to the Pelicans for four years. They really believe in him, apparently, which, I mean, He's shown a lot to believe in. So it's not like these guys are crazy or anything like that. But it's just surprising to see some of these deals that went down. Even the Kevin Durant deal. Um, I know it's Kevin Durant, but my God, they threw 200 mil at him just to stay there, which is just wild to me. That'll never be something that's not surprising to me, honestly. A response to um, Alex. Okay. When you're talking about the Lakers, I think – the thing that I look at is midway through uh, the season, I, I guess we'll say two years ago now, before COVID hit, Russell Westbrook was playing with arguably the most dominant on-ball player ever in James Harden, and they started to make it work. And so I think, you know, it, it was kind of big for them to sit down as the three stars at LeBron's house before Russell Westbrook decided to come to say, okay, this is how it's going to work. Because, like you said, there are a lot of egos involved. There are a lot of guys that have done this at a high level. But other than Dwight Howard and, and Trevor Reason, but we're not talking about him. Other than Dwight Howard, those guys that have came have not won a championship. So, yeah, I've got it at this level, but I haven't got it at the level that you're talking about. And so the biggest thing is when it comes down to it, Russell Westbrook is Anthony Davis is going to have to play the center. 
when Russell Westbrook and LeBron are in the game. It's probably not going to happen in the regular season. I wouldn't be surprised if they still started Marcus All throughout the, the regular season. But when times get tough, Anthony Davis is going to have to play center to have the ultimate floor spacing for these guys. And even he is not a great, you know, three-point shooter. But it opens up the driving lanes more for LeBron and Russ. I don't know how they're going to play it, to your point. Who's going to have the ball more? I think LeBron does need to start transitioning into a role more off the ball. But, you know, playoffs come around, you know, people start getting comfortable in the, the positions that they've had a lot of success in. So we shall see. It, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they're going to play this and how they're going to figure it out. And the last thing I'll say, it's going to be a complete difference from the last two teams that they've had, right? So the last two teams that the Lakers had had like the top three defense in the league both years. A lot of these guys they brought in are not known for their defense. They're known for individual scoring or shooting other than Dwight Howard. And Very much so true. The rest of these guys are known for trying to put the ball in the bucket. So it's going to be a complete reversal of the Lakers teams for these past two years. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, another question for you guys, and I'll kind of start this one off. What teams do you think made the most underrated move? And I'll kind of start. I actually have two teams that I'm just thinking of off, off the top of my head. So first, there's Brooklyn. And Brooklyn uh -huh. bringing back Blake Griffin and getting Patty Mills from San Antonio. Like, uh -huh. that's a Brooklyn team that's, you know, trying to, like, build out and flesh out their roster. Because for the majority of the season last year, I felt that Brooklyn was so top-heavy. And they just tried to fill out the rest of the roster with, like, bottom-barrel young guys and potentially over-the-hill veterans. Right? So I think a guy like Patty Mills who can come off the bench and that can shoot. And I mean, flat out shoot the lights out. And, and bringing Blake Griffin back, that definitely helps them, right? And Blake Griffin, the role he's in, given where he's at in this stage of his career, just really being a rim runner, you know, doing kind of the, the, the small things, the little things, right? That helps. And he's a guy, a veteran with a lot of playoff experience, so that'll help them. Also, second team on my list, I would say, would be the Clippers and bringing back the, everything that they've got, bringing back Reggie Jackson. And I think Reggie Jackson is really important because – we know Kawhi is probably going to be out until maybe January, probably. So with Kawhi being out as long as he's going to be out, having Reggie Jackson as your second best player and given the way Reggie Jackson emerged in the playoffs as a dependable number two guy like that on my bingo card this season, Reggie Jackson becoming the second best player on a contender was not on there. So bringing back Reggie <laughs> Jackson on an affordable deal, bringing back Nick Batum, bringing back Serge Ibaka, bringing back all of that, and they have a very good coach in T. Lou. All of that's really going to help the Clippers. They're going to be right in the mix with the Lakers, with Phoenix, with uh, the Nuggets. Now the Nuggets are going to have Jamal Berry back off the ACL tear. That's really going to help them as well. But what about you guys? Aaron, I'll start with you. That's under the radar move. Can we move this one to Kennedy real quick? I think I need some time to think on this one. I, I like what the Warriors have done and bringing in some more scoring and people. You know, I'm interested to see how Otto Porter plays with them, another guy who can, you know, spot up and shoot it. And obviously, with Clay coming back, you bring in Bielitsa, who, I mean, if you watch this guy, he, he looks like he can play in that Warrior system and will fit in perfectly um, with them, along with the two rookies in the, in the lottery, Kaminga and, and Moses Moody. You know, last but not least, bringing Iggy back, championship experience, played with those guys before. So, you know, if, you know, if Clay looks like what Clay used to look like, they're going to be right, in the, right back in the hunt to compete in the Western Conference. Another team that I think about is the Charlotte Hornets. You know, I think they had a really good draft. 
They got a lot of guys like that can run the floor now um, for LaMelo. You know, got Kelly Oubre. They're interested in Lori Markinen. I don't know if they'll be able to pull it off. But um, I, I really like what Charlotte is doing and trying to put some pieces around uh, LaMelo so that they can be one of the most exciting teams to watch in the in the in the NBA. So for me, I was kind of trying to avoid it, but I, I have to say Miami, for me, had the best under the radar signings, even though they had some, some pretty fairly big signings as well. But mm -hmm. um, adding guys like, like Marquise Morris, for example, that that's huge. And I forgot it, about Marquise. Yeah, to them, going to them, like that just makes the team all the more the tough. And, it's, and I think that's what the Heat's going for. Obviously, re-signing Jimmy, uh, is I would say Miami had the best under the radar moves because I believe that the players that they signed are going to show exactly why they were signed, if that makes sense, throughout the season. Some of these guys that have been signed to some of these other teams may not perform to the level that they were expected to do, which obviously is, is natural. It's going to happen. But yeah, if I'm going to have to pick a team that has some of the best under the radar signs, I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. I think a team like Miami, do they have a guy that can be the best player on the championship team, right? Because I think Jimmy is a very question. good player, right? I think Victor Oladipo is a very good player. I think Kyle Lowry is a very solid player. Like, we've seen Kyle Lowry be the second best player on the championship team, right behind Kawhi Leonard on that Raptors squad, right? So they've got a lot of older guys with championship experience, right? Bam and those guys, like, they've been to the finals. They've been places, right? But do you have a guy you can hand the ball to in the last four or five minutes of a ball game, like and say, "Hey, outside of the system, go get us a bucket, go win us a game"? No, they don't. No, they don't. No, that's a good question, Alex. I, I feel like some teams still hold on firm to the you know the team effort type of complex when it comes to you know trying to win a championship. Mm -hmm. And so for these guys, I don't believe that they think that any of those guys can be the best player solely if that makes sense i believe these guys are all brought together to do their jobs well enough to do it as a collective this is going to be definitely a team that a lot of fans are going to root for because they're doing it as a collective you're not just going to one player and saying go win us the game everybody's going to have to carry their weight and when you do have that in teams that is beautiful basketball to watch so um i don't think that they have a player that's going to be like a, a superstar top five player, right? Um, but I think that they they have good enough players to do well as a collective. I was going to say, like, in the past 20 to 25 years, how many teams that, like, a true superstar have won a championship? Like, there are, like, two or three I can think of off the top of my head. So there was that 04 Pistons team that beat Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, and, and crew in the finals, right? That 04 05 Pistons team. Was that 03 04? You know which team I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's So that 304 Pistons team, that 2014 San Antonio team, because Tony Parker was past his, was a little bit past his prime. Manu and Tim were past their prime. And Kawhi Leonard had not ascended to what we've seen from Kawhi Leonard yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So other than that, how many teams have like won championships without a guy you could just hand the ball to and say, go win it for us? Like in the past, you know, two decades. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather have yeah. a guy that can, you know, go win the game for us than, you know, have a, you know, a team, like, just a great overall team, right? Like, you can win a championship with a great overall team without a true superstar player, but you have to be running like a well-oiled machine. And I think 
if that's what Miami's counting on, they have the structure, like organizationally, to make that work. But, you know, the way Giannis has been looking, the way uh, Kevin Durant, you know, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, if all those guys are healthy. With, you know, in the Western Conference, you know, we're not sure, you know, out of, you know, who's going to make it out of the West. We're talking about either the Lakers or the Clippers or the Suns or maybe with the Nuggets, they're going to have Jamal Murray back, right? Yep. So, and like I said, three of those teams I mentioned have dudes that can, like, win it for you. Like Kawhi, LeBron, you know, dudes who you're like, yo, those those two dudes could win it for you. And if Klay Thompson is healthy and his Achilles is good and his knee is fine, and they look like, well, they can't possibly look like the Warriors of three or four years ago. But if they're, uh, you know, competent and going, the Warriors are something you got to think about, too. Yep. So, like. And they just re-signed Steph to, what, another max deal? Man, Steph, Steph's the mayor, okay? <laughs> so, yep. they just tell, they hand Steph a blank check and say, just put whatever numbers you want on there. But we have to leave it right there. But we will be right back with more of the Game Plan Podcast on the other side of the break. Coming up next, Lamar Gafford of TownTalk.com will be with us to talk about NBA free agency and Olympic basketball. All that and more on the other side of the break. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in Tangeray, S as in South Dakota, M as in Michigan. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir, my man. Where can they find you on Twitter? Underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, that's underscore Kennedy spelled like Mr. Kennedy Miller. Spelled like the NBA Hall of Famer, Reggie Miller, underscore Kennedy Miller, underscore. All right, all right. Aaron O'Connor, who is still in Twitter jail, where can they find you on Instagram, my good man? They can find me on Instagram at Aaron the Great. That is A-A-R-O-N, the Great, with two underscores. That's where you can find me on Instagram. All right, all right. And joining us here on the program, friend of the show, Lamar Gafford of TownTalk.com. Lamar, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm good. How about yourself? Man, I can't complain. Can't call it. You know, so it's good to have you on, Lamar. And, you know, we've been talking about NBA free agency so far during the show. We talked about the best moves and the most and the most intriguing moves during the first segment of the show. So we're going to switch it up, Lamar, and ask you, what team do you think made the worst moves or the rather the most head-scratching moves in free agency? Whew, man, um, I think there's probably a good bit of teams that really – uh, that really shocked me, at least with the, the lack of free agency moves, at least. Um, I think one team that really stands out is kind of like, you know, you look at the Boston Celtics. I mean, as far as the free agency moves that they made, mm. uh, other than the trades that they had, I mean, I think they some, had some decent trades, but they really were not active here, only getting Eason's cancer. But I think them and I think another team that's pretty much right there in my backyard New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, I felt like that. Yeah. I felt like they should have done a little bit more, honestly. I totally agree with you, Lamar. Uh, I, I had forgotten about the Celtics. You know, they're kind of linked to getting Dennis Schroeder uh, right now. But I, I look at, you know, you traded in, in the, at the trade deadline for Evan Fournier, which was questionable then. But then you don't even re-sign him and you lose him to the Knicks, uh, which, you know, is, is kind of like a boneheaded move. What, what, were you, what was the end goal in, in accomplishing that? Um then obviously it's a it's a point guard. It was a point guard heavy free agency. They traded Kemba, knowing they needed a point guard, and they kind of whiffed on every point guard. And now they're 
you know, kind of at odds with Dennis Schroeder in terms of they're trying to give him a short-term deal. He wants a long-term deal. Um, and then, the, like like you said, the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't understand why you let a guy like Lonzo walk and in return trade a first-round pick to get a guy like Devontae Graham, who's not a bad player. Um, and the only reason that I could think of them doing that is – putting the ball more in Brandon Ingram and Zion's hands and just kind of having Zion kind of like LeBron where he's just got the ball, the floor space with spot up shooters. Cause that's what Devontae Graham is, is really good at. Um, but you have a, a young point guard in Lonzo who's six, six can guard the other team's best guard and has shot the ball noticeably better over time in the NBA. I don't know why you let somebody like that walk. Uh, when you have a young team like that. I was going to say, for me, the most, I guess you could say, head-scratching moves have been made by, you know, and Aaron mentioned this, but I've been thinking this for like the longest over the past week. What are the Dallas Mavericks doing? The Dallas Mavericks essentially did nothing. I mean, well, okay, they signed Reggie Bullock, but that does that actually qualify as something? I'm pretty sure they went across all of our ESPN bottom lines and it just came and went. Like, we didn't even get an ESPN or a notification for The Athletic when Reggie Bullock signed the Dallas Mavericks. That's the I didn't cool even hear from Bleacher Report. Yeah, like Bleacher Report. And Bleacher Report sends you a notification on everything, right? If Bleacher Report don't everything. send you a notification about that, that means don't, we don't give a damn. We don't give a damn about no damn Reggie Bullock, right? And the th- problem with the Dallas Mavericks was at the end of last season in that series with the Clippers was they had Luka and nothing else, right? Like, it was very obvious. Who the team? Luka the team. Like, Luca does everything. Like, I don't know if y'all, like, if our fans or our listeners will understand this reference, right? But Luca was like Omarion in B2K. He do everything, right? <laughs> He's, look, he sing the hooks, right? He sing all the verses. He do the background vocals, right? These other three dudes, oh, they man. just hear, right? Like, do we, did we ever really know what J Boog, Razby, and Lil Fizz did? Right. They were just there. They were Marion's background singers, basically. Right. Like we, they told us they were in the group and they sang. We ain't never hear them sing. Right. That's what Luca and the rest of these dudes are like. I'm like, yo, they said they go get Luca a co-star. They said they'll get somebody to sing lead here and there. They ain't got nobody. Like they brought back basically the exact same team. They brought back Tim Hardaway, which I think is a good three and D player. Right. They back. Well, I think they're going to bring back big slow Boban Marjanovic. They they still gonna keep Kristaps Porzingis, who is supposed to be oh, a co-star. Oh, they already signed Boban. Oh, they brought back Boban. They already brought him back. Yuck. Uh, what about uh? I think they brought back Willie Cauley Stein too. Like this is gonna be the exact same roster and the exact same weaknesses. They still can't defend anybody, right? They're still not another shot creator, right? Like I thought a good move for them. They should have called Portland about CJ. That's what I think would have been a good move for them to make. Get a there are so shot. many availabilities for them, but and what bothers me about the Mavericks is, is the context, because for the past few years, it's been like this. Really, for the past almost decade, it's been like this, but with Luka, it's been glaring. Like you said, in the playoffs, it was Luka and nobody else. Even when we got Kristaps, it was Luka and, forgive me, nobody else. So when you see things like that, the first thing that comes to mind is we got to get somebody in here that's going to give this guy some help throughout the season and in the playoffs. And to sit still when guys like DeMar, Goran, Drogic, that, that, that's going to that's gonna sting me for a very long time. If anybody should have been going hard at Goran, Drogic, it should have been the Dallas Mavericks. Come on. Like, I was going to – 
I was my fault. My fault. About to cut you off. I was gonna say even Kyle Lowry, like just a point guard to get take the ball handling responsibilities off of Luka Doncic, that would have helped. Just now, it really scares me because now it's gonna become Luka's a bit of a diva. We already see that. So what happens two years from now when Luka's in the middle of this big contract deal with nobody still? He's gonna show signs of frustrations, and there's too many teams, too many cities in the NBA for them to not be like, hey. Uh, actually, you're kind of frustrated over there. You should come on down to Miami. You should come on down to Florida, California. These great places to be and play for our good, great teams with all these players that we can surround you with. Meanwhile, Dallas is a sitting duck. It's I just, I just, Mark Cuban's really, I, what are you not seeing? What plan do you have up your sleeve that you think that this is going to work out with just Luca alone? It's not going to happen. Luca's not taking pay cuts. And he's not like Dirk where he's super loyal. I don't see that in him at all. I'm sorry, but I don't. So you need to surround him with some players now before it's too late. I was going to say there's that and there's the issue of this team. Like in addition to the lack of shot creators, the lack of defense, right? Like we like Hardaway and Finney Smith are your best two defenders and they're decent defenders, like NBA level defenders at best, right? Like neither of those dudes are like lockdown defenders. Right. They are merely competent. They did not get better on the defense, really better on the defensive end of the floor. Like getting Reggie Bullock doesn't scare anybody. So like <laughs> how, how, how does that really help this team in the long term? And so there's them. And I would also say Portland, right? Cause we, we know we've seen Damian yes. Lillard be very vocal about the, the, the level of like the big exponential leaps this team needs to make. Right. And you know what exponential leaps they made? They signed Cody Damzella. They signed Ben McLemore. And they're going to sign Tony Snell. That don't sound exponential to me. It's not. But, you know, they're not a serious contender. Or, or am I am I tripping? I mean, you're right. I mean, they're not going to be a serious contender at that. And I think the moves that they, the lack of moves they made, I mean, uh, that's not really going to help them out in the long run. I mean, I mean, of course, you're going to have Lillard and Dame, and also he's going to be extra loyal. But you know, when is that point that he's going to be get frustrated and just be like, "Look, man, I can't do this anymore here. Like, please take trade me. Just trade trade me. Do something else here." It's coming. It's coming. It always sounds good, especially nowadays, to stay loyal to the team and do all this. But but consistently, especially when you've had a a taste of success, right? So Dame is. Been to the conference finals, got swept, you know, to with a against a Golden State team that didn't even have Kevin Durant at you. And if I'm not mistaken, they were winning at halftime of every game in the series. It's going to come a point in time where you get tired of losing in the first round after you experience some type of postseason success, especially losing because management has not done an adequate job of bringing people to play with you. I mean, I saw a report today that Damian Lillard wanted them to, to go after Kelly Oubre. I mean, if we're if we're that desperate to where we need to get Kelly Oubre on our team to to suffice or to to make our team seem better, I mean, what are we doing here, Portland? Yeah, I've said it for years. They've hit their ceiling. Trade CJ. I understand they have a and that that's the tough part is that he and CJ have such a great relationship. But I mean. It, you want to win championships, sometimes you got to make sacrifices. 
And CJ, I mean, Kyle and Demar had a great relationship, and then Demar true. left, and look what happened. This is true. And I do. I, if I were him, I'd do it again. Yep. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Absolutely. So I mean, because and some of this, some of this is Dane too. You're not going to win a title if you don't guard. You're yep. not going to win a title if you're if you're if both players in your backcourt do not guard the basketball. That, I mean, that, and that that's what the ceiling is. You. If they, if it was Dame and, and Paul George, if it was Dame and Kawhi, they'd be in the finals. They might have already won a championship. But it, it's just, it's, it's not going to get it done. It's, it's not going to get it done. Absolutely. So, uh, Lamar, switching gears here, USA Olympic team, we talked about them on the last episode of the show in which after they had lost a ball game to Nigeria and a ball game to Australia in the exhibition round, and then they lost to France in the opening round of pool play, and they rebounded to win the whole thing. So, Lamar, go ahead and, like, ring the victory bell for us because those of us here on the Game Plan Podcast that be, that believed in USA basketball when everybody was shitting on them, testify for a second, Lamar. Go on. Ding, 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 ding. Well, I will go ahead and say this, though. Um, some of those games were very close. I mean, especially when we played against France the last time, played against Spain in the quarterfinals, and um, just overall – I feel like the rest of the world can play ball right now, too. But we still got some of the better athletes around here, even though some of those other countries also got NBA players, too. And, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I mean, I was one of those people that even when we lost to Argentina in the prelims and, and lost to Nigeria in the prelims, I was a little scared about this team. I thought that that maybe we may come out of here with a bronze. Maybe we might come out. I mean, come out of here. We had a chance to come out here with gold, but maybe come out here with a bronze or a silver or something. But, you know, for them to rebound that very quickly and to basically say to the naysayers, hey, look, um, we're still we're still the top team out here in the block. I mean, that says a lot. And also for everybody that wanted to dig some dirt here on Greg Popovich and his coaching career. Look at who's spelling like a rose right now, too. As far as this team goes, I think there's one thing to like really say, right? So a lot of these, you know, national teams, these guys play together year in, year out. We're talking about, you know, your Australias, you know, your Joe Ingles, your Patty Mills, you know, Batiste Thibel, you know, or, you know, with France with Batum and Fournier and Gobert and Nidalekina. These dudes play together every summer. They played together for at least, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, if not a decade or more, right? With the Argentina teams with Ginobili or Nocioni or Scola. From, you know, 04 through 2012 or 2016, those dudes play together year in, year out. The United States, every Olympics or every FIBA World Cup or every international event, the team is fundamentally different every single time. We still find a way to win, right? Like, I think that's something that, you know, we really got to think about and really appreciate because I know as the United States, we have the best basketball talent in the world. But it is very difficult to take dudes who have not ever been a team together and turn them into a team that can win a international tournament against professional players in five weeks. That's very difficult. And even in this year, COVID year, it was different. Like we had a team with Jeremy Grant, Keldon Johnson, JaVale McGee, Zach Levine, and we still won a gold medal. We did not send our best players. I think that's something that's something that should be applauded. So for context, I mean, this happens every every Olympics. And so, that, for example, there was a ranking. And I don't even know who was ranked one, two, or three. I just know that USA was four. 
Actually, I do know who was ranked third. Slovenia. In what world, I guess Earth, but in what logical world would you put Slovenia on top of Team USA? First of all, this is our sport. Let that be known. And that's why we continue to have the best talent. That's why we can send Keldon Johnson and, Z and Zach Levine and JaVale McGee out there and still win gold. Because at the end of the day, the players, the best players on these other teams, the best players in France, the best players on Slovenia's team in Argentina, they come to the NBA in America to play basketball because that's where all the great talent is. And that's why they want, they want to see how they match up against these great talents. Everybody was so ready to cancel Team USA after a few losses. And it's like every year, we don't start off just whooping ass. We don't start off just beating everybody. We come in, we struggle a little bit. We have to get used to the calls because, like you said, we rotate players at this point, essentially, when it comes to the Olympics. So a lot of these players don't know about the, how it is in FIBA basketball, but how you're able to knock the ball off the rim if it's still there, how you're able to get no touch fouls. That's, that's not something that exists in FIBA basketball. And so every year in the Olympics, you, you get an interview from a player like, yeah, this is much different from the NBA. Yeah, dude, it doesn't change. But once you get adjusted to it, it's not like you've never played rough basketball before. Once you get adjusted to it, then it becomes wraps for the rest of the teams in the world. And, and the talent is getting better. Don't get me wrong. When you have players like Luka Doncic on the other side, the talent level is getting better for the, for the world. So the games are going to get closer. But once you get a team that's used to the style of play like USA and they're able to turn it up a notch, you cannot stop that. Because even if you put those, if you put the team USA in the NBA, you cannot stop that. So I don't expect the, the rest of the world to be able to stop that when they're coming here to, to stack up against us and see how they do, you know? So it was just wild to me to see everybody so ready, so amped up to see Team USA fail. And then systematically, the team just, the, the butt whoopings across the exhibition games and then the the the, the uh, playing games and the the medal games just got worse and worse and worse. Teams weren't catching up, and if they were catching up, it was for a, a series for a game. And then the third quarter, team at USA would turn it up another notch, and then the game would be over. I never once worried about Team USA getting gold, especially with Kevin Durant on the team. I knew from that point of time when he was coming down there to play that we would be just fine. No, I, I mean I totally agree with what what Aaron said. I I just kind of felt like they were they were bringing together, especially when they hadn't you know brought in you know Middleton and Holiday and Booker. I just felt like at that point you know the talent was going to overwhelm most teams, and you know like you guys said, it's usually close early on, and then in the championship game, you know it's usually a close game. But yeah, USA, you know with all those guys, it just after a while the talent the talent just becomes too much. And like Alex was saying, this isn't even the best. They haven't even put out the best team they could have in about, you know, nine years now, you know, without playing LeBron and Steph and AD and Kawhi and Harden. It, I mean, that would be just unreal. But like Aaron said, I had no, I had no doubt that the USA would close the deal. Just, I mean, Patty Mills scoring 40 and, and, <laughs> That that's insane! How Patty Mills be going crazy in these Olympic games? FIBA Patty. <laughs> yep, that's yep. really becoming a thing now, and <laughs> it's hilarious. FIBA Patty is really a thing. 
Hey, man, like, that's one dude, like, you know, like him, like dudes like Evan Fournier. You're like, I ain't never, ever never seen, seen you. Have you guys like seen that before. meme by the way of, of uh, Daniel Lillard standing behind Evan Fournier as he's shooting a free throw? And he's making that exact face. He's like, I've never seen this yeah. for you before. What? Who is this guy? Like, in right. fight. Shout out to Team USA. They figured it out. Brought the gold home back again. Shout out to the women's team. Seven gold medals in a row. Like, the women have won a gold medal basically every time for the last 30 years. The thing about the women is that at least when the men beat everybody up, it, it, it looks like they're struggling a little bit. Like, they have to actually show up and, and, and put in some work there. The the women don't seem to struggle too much. I saw a picture of Diana Taurasi holding the ball in the gold medal game over a defender, smiling, laughing at her in her face. I mean, just plain disrespect. They are that much better in their terms of competition, and that's still saying something like, holy cow. Absolutely, absolutely. But we have to leave it right there because we are out of time here on the Game Plan Podcast. So, Kennedy Miller, got to thank you for joining me, my man. Where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at the same place, underscore Kennedy Miller, underscore, again, that's underscore Kennedy, as in the former Senator Robert Kennedy and Miller. As in, give me another Miller, Alex. Give me another famous Miller. Cheryl Miller. Reggie's sister, the Hall of Famer. Cheryl Miller. All right, all right. And you are still in Twitter jail. So where can they find you on Instagram, my good man? You can find me on Instagram at Aaron the Great. That is A-A-R-O-N the Great with two underscores. I'm going to say that one more time for those who didn't hear that in the back. That is A-A-R-O-N the Great, two underscores on Instagram. All right, all right. Lamar Gafford, our guest, friend of the show. Where can they find you on Twitter? Where can they find your work for the TownTalk.com? Absolutely. You can find me at TownTalk.com. You can find all my articles and all that stuff. We got some high school football coming up, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. You can also see me on Twitter at Lamar Gafford. That's all in one word, Lamar Gafford. All right, all right. So you can follow, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. There's T as in Texas, S as in South Carolina, M as in Maryland. You can follow the show on Twitter at the G Plan Pod. Again, that's at T H E G Plan Pod. So for Kennedy Miller. Aaron O'Connor and Lamar Gafford. This has been the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. We will see you guys next time.